Looking for a local spot to make swag for your brand, podcast, or anything in between? Eastside Pin Co. has experience making enamel pins, badges, keychains, medals, and patches. Have an idea of what you want? Chris can help bring your idea to life. You can find them online at eastsidepinco.com. That's E-A-S-T-S-I-D-E-P-I-N-C-O.com. And you can send all inquiries to chris at eastsidepinco.com. Mention this ad to take 10% off your order. Eastside Pinco. Hit them up. Hentai. Noun. A subgenre of the Japanese genres of manga and anime. Characterized by overtly sexualized characters and sexually explicit images and plots. Okay, we're starting this one a little bit different than we normally would, if you couldn't tell. Um, to the audience, if you started this episode to hear gratuitous or raunchy opinions, I'll save you some time here to tell you that you will not find out on this episode. The overarching idea of this discussion is to trace the history and follow the progression of hentai as a media form and its impact on viewers. Um, yeah, I think we're... It's good to throw out. go ahead and throw out a, uh, a disclaimer here at the beginning. If... You are under the age of 18. Um, if you're not sure what hentai is and you're just like kind of stumbling upon this episode, it's maybe a weird listen, maybe not necessarily a tough listen. Um, it's an episode I wanted to do for a while now. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll just start normally how we do. Uh, who do we have in the studio here? Oh, I'm getting pointed at. This is uh, this is me. I am Stacy Dunn. I've been on here I think twice before this. Two or three Two times. Or three, I can't three, remember. Yeah. One one time where it didn't record, so technically that's, three. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. That's very true. <laughs> but we don't talk about that. No, never. And I am Emily Strickler. Emily Strickler. Strictly Strickler. Strictly Strickler. I'm sure you've been hearing that shit a lot. Sorry. I haven't. Honestly, oh. I hear worse, so frankly, I'll take it. Fantastico. Yeah. Um, This is an interesting topic to me. This has been an episode that I've been working on with you for a while and um it's been one that i'll talk to people about and i'll say i'm thinking about doing an episode on this and the reaction every time is just like straight up like smut like people are like oh like taken aback you know and like yeah. they recoil and they're just like they don't know what to think and they're just like oh my god <laughs> but the way i wanted to do this episode was a little different i guess than any other episode we've done because I guess because of the gravity of some of the things that go along with I guess specifically the genres and stuff um I did think it was very important to have a very prominent um female representation on this episode so I appreciate you guys coming on absolutely no um, problem because it was just like the last thing I wanted to do is get a bunch of guys and talk about hentai. Like, yeah, like, yeah bro, you exactly. know, I saw this one, you know, where the girl, her, her they were just, they were just oh, so yeah, big. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> so it was just like, uh, like, I just had no interest in talking about that. Yeah. And more interest in like, I don't know, I guess the general purpose of this is just like, how did this kind of come about? Like, where does this, where does this come from? And, and where so, is it going? Yeah. 
And so um, that's the that's the purpose of it, just to lay it out. I mean, not trying to be pretentious or anything like that. It's just like, you know, how did this kind of come about? And how did this progress from, you know, maybe how it started or how it came about? I don't even know what I'm trying to say there. But yeah. it's just an interesting thing to talk about. And I thought it was important to talk about it. So, yeah. Finally doing the hentai episode, I guess. Woo. I think we should name this the hentai episode. Yeah. Give like it no, the gravity it deserves. No, yeah, no subtitle, like no anything. Yeah. It'll just be like the hentai episode. Hentai brought to you by Rentai, a hentai video service. Oh my God, I saw that tweet <laughs> the other day and You're died. You're welcome. That was so funny. I woke up in the middle of the night and had that idea. And it came God, to you. Yeah. I was mad as hell I didn't think of that. <laughs> um. So yeah, uh, just... Throughout the episode, I'll be referencing some notes. So if this one feels a little wonky, it's because I'm like trying to reference and kind of drive this ship in a way that's kind of cohesive and sticks along with my notes. Um, so understanding hentai starts by learning the history of sexuality in Japan. According to Pornhub, in 2018, people in Japan were 300% more likely to view hentai than the rest of the world. I guess we'll throw out another disclaimer here. I found a lot of... I, I did a lot of research, which sounds strange as my intro to talking about Pornhub. <laughs> but Pornhub does a year in review where they actually release all of their stats. I love that. The map. And so, yeah, it, like, it yeah, shows everything out so in real, yeah, real specific data points. And so I was like, this is crazy. And so um, you might hear me reference Pornhub's study throughout that. And just as a to, to clarify the data is coming from that year in review um, self-report that Pornhub does every year. I'd like to point out, too, that I think it's very ironic that in America, for example, I know this isn't relevant to Japan, but I've seen those studies like throughout the years. And in America, I've noticed a huge trend in like the more reserved or southern states always have the raunchiest stuff. Yeah, yeah. that is strange. I think that's yeah. there's a really good correlation a, yeah. there. Yeah. yeah, you beat me to it. There's definitely a correlation there for sure. I think as well, it's interesting to me to see this stat that they're 300% more likely. I guess maybe it's I guess depending on 300% more likely compared to what yeah. is maybe what's missing there. But it was interesting to kind of see that because I've read in a couple different things, I'm specifically thinking of um, Modern Love, I believe is the book by Aziz Ansari, but they talk about the rise of the um, herbivore man in Japan, which is this growing movement of men being really uninterested in sex and not motivated by it and not looking for it. People aren't getting married or anything anymore. And they've actually had a downturn, I think, in um, like the rate of birth huh. overall. So it was interesting to me that these statistics are coming out that it's such a high percentage of even like teen boys and teen girls are so uninterested in sex, but you're also getting people partaking in this medium. True. I, I think, think that 300% to clarify on that one specifically, yeah. that's compared to the rest, like all the other right. countries. Yeah. Um, I thought it sorry that, that was unclear compared to like hentai versus looking at live action or real yeah. uh, pornographic material. I think that yeah. stat was just talking specifically to, Oh, to the, the region? The yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Because it, it, the way the study breaks down, it kind of does like the world. Mm -hmm. And then it, I don't know if it does every country in the study itself that I referenced, but there, it, it's like United States, Japan, um, Australia. Like there's a bunch of different right. countries that it breaks down further for like how that, um, the analytics broke down for them. Um, 
but yeah, so we talked about it. Hentai um, originated in Japan, of course. The history of Jav- the history of sexuality in Japanese art is where we're starting for this. Whoop. So I guess this is more of like a uh, like history lesson here at the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> which is cool. I mean, that's interesting to me. So, um, but yeah, here we go. So where did it start? Shunga. So are you guys familiar with Shunga at all? No, you do you guys both have art degrees? I yes, I yeah. do too. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember much of my art history. I remember taking both courses, but I couldn't I couldn't quote much of it. So. Yeah. Emily, you said you'd seen some of um, yeah. some of this work so in person. I really like um printmaking and so looking back at like Japanese woodblock prints and kind of what they did for that medium. Um, I'm pretty familiar with it. I hadn't actually, we're going to talk about some other terms and some other artistic periods, but I hadn't actually heard um, shunga before, which I can define, I guess, for people yeah, go ahead. as um, pictures of spring, but spring is a common euphemism for sex. Right. So they are sexual images. Yeah. And some of the other terms, u- ukiyoe was yeah. like the traditional woodblock printing that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, they existed as printed or as painted hand scrolls, um, which predate. Oh, that's what uh, shunga are a type of this, and um, so these date back as far as 794 AD. Um, but at the time, the subject matter is being more focused on royalty, uh, monks, not so much as sexual in the nature. In nature, but we see some of these. Um, this medium is what was prevalent at the time historically in Japan where we see some of these um, like more sexual and nature um, prints being made and created in that medium. And so um, the style, the, this style, um, the Shunga, reached its height in the Edo period. That's 1603 to 1867. Um, so according to Japan historians Monta Hayakawa and uh, C. Andrew Gersel, Westerners during the 19th century were less appreciative of Shunga because of it is because of its erotic nature. In the journal in the journal of Francis Hall, an American business person and book dealer who arrived in Yokohama in 1859, he described Shunga as vile pictures executed in the best style Japanese art. Hayakawa stated that Hall was shocked and disgusted when on two separate occasions his Japanese acquaintances and their wives showed him Shunga in their homes. So I guess that kind of goes back to the history of it because um, when you look at it in context of the history these scrolls are, and woodblock prints are very ornate and decorative, and are seen as more of like a a uh, a take on like um, class and status. Right. Well, I think it's interesting too. Looking at this, I think there's a lot to be absorbed in terms of, you know, the American culture versus Japanese culture. Like right. it feels like sexuality at that period and I can't speak on this for sure but it feels like maybe sexuality at that time in Japan isn't something to be ashamed of and I do wonder if that parallels some of um western religion having been um brought to Japan yet or not brought to Japan as opposed to Americans who very much were founded on puritanical values and would find that incredibly shocking as opposed to I don't know maybe the more yeah, I definitely Eastern agree values. with that. The the puritanical views and and having that culture shock of seeing something that you're told is so shameful and yeah. something to display it so Absolutely. proudly to them is just 
you know, let me clutch my pearls. Exactly. Well, at the time, it's not viewed as something that's taboo. You know, sex in itself is something that's very natural. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, that's how we, you know, express love physically. It's how we procreate. It's something that wasn't viewed as taboo in their culture. Right. Um, we do see um, reading, reading, which is like about the times and kind of westernization, um, we do see some of the government coming in at the time in Japan kind of trying to silence a lot of that. Um, that's when Shunga really started like thriving in the underground scene. It actually was like at an all-time high of production at the time when they were being oppressed and trying to be um, su- suppressed by the government, which was an interesting um, thing that I had read during the research. Um, Shunga was probably enjoyed by both men and women of all classes. Um, superstitions and customs surrounded Shunga suggest as much. In the same way that it was considered a lucky charm against death for a samurai to carry Shunga, it was considered a protection against fire in merchant warehouses and and the home. So that goes back to the kind of the um, you know the history of it and the status symbol of it. This is a thing that's like a very ornate um, item. It's it's similar to like a uh, an heirloom, a fair family heirloom. This is likely something that would have been passed down um, from generation to generation. And it's just interesting that the subject matter of it had a lot to do with the um, the opinion of it. So some of these are sexual in nature, of course, uh, akin to like Kama Sutra even. Um, that's what a lot, a lot of the scenes are depicted as, uh, very sexual in nature like that. Um, some of them are more um, geared towards like uh, monasteries or um, emperors of the time. So it's just kind of like, I don't know, it's almost like the human nature thing of kind of picking and choosing like okay well that I, that's i think that's taboo so that one's right. not okay but this other one's okay because that's just like some guy well and again i i find it so interesting that the fact that there were superstitions that good things happen related to these works of art that it's very reverential in nature to sexuality i think is very telling of the culture at that time and i think it's I, I like it a lot. I think it's great, and I think people should be maybe more open. But I think also to what you're saying in terms of the quality of the artwork, to give the listeners an idea, um, these woodblock prints would be something in the style of, like, the Great Wave. I think that's one that that's most people iconic, know. That's pretty iconic, yeah. Yeah, the Great yeah. Wave. Um, I can't think of a good name. of Hiroshige was another one of Hokusai's contemporaries, I think. Um that was working in that style. So this was, I mean, the same way in Western art, we're telling stories and passing down our traditions. And that's one of the ways that we now are able to look at daily life. That's how they were recording it just the same there in their own art style. So it's a microcosm of everyday life. Yeah. This is showing like, Hey, this is what was going on at this time. I think it's really interesting too, because I'm looking back on some of these and I do remember seeing these and in art history, there was a, a big period in which we talked about this. I just never heard to it referred to as Shunga. But a lot of them um, are interest, interestingly uh, really exhibitionist, too, because it'll be a couple outside on their porch deck or, right. um, you know, they even have bathhouse scenes. And I think that uh, especially, you know, a place like Japan where they have open-air bathhouses and everyone seemed to be so comfortable just with a naked human body, whereas here, you know, just now in Oklahoma, women can finally walk outside without a shirt on and not get arrested for it. So, right. well, it's like the you know the puritanical view that we were kind of referencing earlier mm-hmm. is that when that is ingrained in you from an early age, 
um, when you grow up, you tend to sexualize that things shame, that aren't yeah. sexual. Mm-hmm. Sexualizing um, things that aren't sexual and then uh, breastfeeding. Shame. Breastfeeding is yeah. a big yeah. thing that comes to mind when it's like, well, I don't, I shouldn't have to see that. And it's like, dude, it's not, it's not you about you seeing it. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, this is about sustenance. This is about, you know, life. And so it's like one of the interesting things to me that's just like, that sticks out as something that is that exact um, archetypical view of sexualizing something that's not sexual. And we tend to ask, like, you know, you hear the thing about asking the moms to go feed their baby in the bathroom. And it's like, that's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, right. Um, okay, so the introduction of Western culture roughly around uh, 1868, 1912, Boo. particularly the importation <laughs> of photo reproduction techniques, had serious consequences for Shunga. For a time, woodblock printing continued to be used, but figures uh, began to appear in prints wearing Western clothing and hairstyles. So we're, you know, seeing more heavily... Um, Western influence there. Eventually, Shunga could no longer compete with erotic photography, leading to its decline. The art of Shunga provided an inspiration for art in, Jap- in Japanese video games, anime, and manga, known in the Western world as hentai. So this has been the history lesson are. of hentai. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so understanding that foundational thing of like, okay, this is, there's always been this um, understanding of sex in the culture, but with that Western influence, this has been, you know, more regarded as taboo. But with all these things are just like a Molotov cocktail of like how hentai ended up being. And I think a lot of that fuels the, um, you know, I, I guess it's kind of a bold con- conclusion to jump to. But I think a lot of that fuels the, the um, how far some hentai goes. I don't know. And boy... Do it go far? It do. Yeah. It do. Yeah. It do. Um, hentai and modern sexuality is the next section we're going to talk about. Um, so in 1907, it became illegal in Japan to publish obscene material. Um, some of the research I did sh- it talked about that being explicitly like heterosexual intercourse, um, blurring of like the genitalia of some degree is whenever you see like that a lot of that becoming prevalent. Um, until the 1980s, when uh, an artist, Toshio Maeda, used tentacles to get around this law. Hokusai's dream of the fisherman's wife from 1814 depicts a woman of having intercourse with octopus. So it's like that traditional. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, that's that tra- a direct was, reference, yeah, to this like yeah. cultural, this piece of heritage. And then taking it to kind of, I kind of, uh, it's almost a little bit badass in a way, if you think about it. Because he's just like. Fuck you and your censorship. It's kind of like a I chest will continue move. to show mm-hmm. this. Yeah. Um, so regardless of maybe the opinion on what hentai has evolved to become, there is something so radical about it that I think speaks more to the almost like fine art side of it and the use of art to um I don't know, rebel. Yeah, or it's it's such a, a strategical move. Mm-hmm. It's I know this this is another unrelated thing, but the that idea reminds me of uh, the gamer girl bathwater. It's like you can't oh, yeah. hate someone for being so miraculously smart and like <laughs> you know, creating something that people buy or, you know, give into or whatever you want to call it. That's true. What is the right price? The right price is what uh, someone's willing to pay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a price that someone is willing to pay. Yeah. Let me, let me right check price. my bank account. <laughs> <laughs> let me look at my uh, drafts here. Yeah. Um, so that's like an interesting thing. It's, uh, you know, th- a lot of this is seen as like a nod. A lot of people have interpreted this 
his use of uh, the tentacles, which has become synonymous with hentai, um, as a nod to kind of like this classical culture, um, uh, basically like a direct reference to this this classical era of Japanese art. Uh, I just thought that was interesting. I don't know. It was something in my research that stuck out to me that I was just like, huh. Like, I don't think that any, anyone has anything definitive on that, but it's like, oh, it's awful. Like, that's, that's awfully specific for them to use that. And the important thing to note about that is that um, that ended up being like obviously blowing up. That's like the thing exactly. people have asked me about when I was yeah. when I talked to them about doing a hentai episode. They're like, "Is that the weird tentacles thing?" Yes. Yeah. I'm like, yes exactly. and no. Yes and no. I, uh, <laughs> one of the things that I think is uh, really fundamental when it comes to hentai too, and just the earlier erotic Japanese art. I, we talked about superstitions in a way, and it also always had. Uh, there was a lot of um, Oh, what's the phrase I'm looking for? Uh, almost like supernatural quality to it. Like there yeah. were a lot of monsters and ghosts and that type of thing uh, involved in there too. Like Oni demons um, that were, you know, would would be alongside and alongside and paired with women um, in a sexual way, which was it's not something you as much see in in uh, American pornography, right? A lot of it is interesting for sure, and um. I'm glad you said that, talking about, speaking of pornography. Um, <laughs> we have been, so we've been referencing this Pornhub study. Um, the next bit that I wanted to get into was actually some of the stats behind that year-end study that Pornhub released for 2018. Um, so hentai was Pornhub's number two overall most searched term in 2018. Breaking down by gender, it's the number three most searched term for both men and women. That one, I'm not going to lie, that one surprised me. Yeah, how it's a little interesting. Pornhub know if you're a man or a woman. If you sign up, do you have to like uh, identify what, what with your user? It might be like an optional thing. Maybe. Um, huh. I have to be uh, transparent with you. I didn't actually see like how they. I was just thinking in terms that. of yeah. like data aggregation. Like, so how do they know? Yeah, I was going to have a profile. Just like in terms of like, I, d I don't know how ad stuff is on the internet, but like if it's like if you fit certain profiles on other things, right, it right, can like, be assumed like that cookies or ad data you're, that yeah, yeah. you're put into this bucket of yeah, people. Yeah, no. hmm. it could be. Um, I didn't see how they aggregated that. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> um, <laughs> Stacey, you really want to get in the weeds on these stat <laughs> um, uh Another stat that stuck out to me in 2018: hentai replaced lesbian as the most popular search among Pornhub visitors aged 18 to 24. And the term anime made the top 10 for the first time in that demographic last year. So it's, it's outside like, of my age yeah. bracket, but all right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, that's kind of why I'd, I'd been like, oh, this is. This is still. Here. In my opinion, it was like this skewed a little bit younger than I guess I was suspect or expecting. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I would True. say that too. I would think that more people within our age would, you know, they grew up with anime and stuff. But I guess it's still ongoing and it's still really popular too. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it's just like, yeah, what does the typical hentai viewer look like? Right. You know, it's now like one of those starting things. Starting to like training the profile of the people watching it. Yeah. It's like a Play-Doh bust that's like forming in my head right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, for the purposes of like this kind of discussion, the format of what we're doing, I didn't prepare specific things and say, hey, watch this and we're going to talk about it. Right. I didn't really know how to kind of approach that specific kind of a thing with tact which where we're not like oh yeah let's yeah, talk like about this specific let's watch thing. about this, really together. Together. Yeah. this like i don't know it was just like a strange 
thing to try to. Yeah. It, it felt like, to me, it felt like I was trying to force it more than what felt organic to talk about. Right. So that's I don't know if anyone listening or you guys wondered why I didn't oh, no. say I specifically watch this. Well, you should definitely watch Bible Black. That's <laughs> the first God. thing you should watch. No, just kidding. Don't Forte do that. is my favorite anime. Don't do that. <laughs> don't never. No one ever look up anime or uh, anime in general. <laughs> you will don't. stay safe if you just don't. go yeah. home. <laughs> Turn the lights <laughs> out and go to sleep. You're done. Um. So for the purposes of the conversation, it's like, is hentai seen as taboo? I mean, it's. This is something that has proliferated multiple age groups and has, you know, year over year right. climbed on the the, the uh, analytics of sh- as showing something that's popular. I don't know. I mean, it's it's as taboo, I guess, as porn. I mean, we don't talk about porn in our everyday lives. I would say it seems like there's kind of a duality to it in that it's one that I, I feel like people are maybe, I don't know. It, it's like people are almost like more ashamed for some reason to say that they're into it, but clearly the data shows that people are watching it and are probably more likely to watch it than something else. But at the same time, there's something very like accessible about it. I don't know. It's it's quite interesting to me. And I do have I feel like I my two trains of thought right now are like very much musings on why people are drawn to it. But speaking from like personal experience, I think hentai was something that as a kid liking anime, it was only when we got to the point of like middle school or high school where you start, you know, you hit puberty, you start becoming more sexual and more aware of those things that all of a sudden, like, that's when it became really uncool to be talking about anime. And I feel like part of that is because, oh, if you like anime, then this is like, you also like this really like specific kind of porn. And there was uh, like a level of sexualization that was just blanket given to all anime, even from adults, I would say, where it's like, it was almost like a shameful thing to like tell an adult that that's what you were into because you didn't want them to assume that you were like a pervert. True. I do, um, Stacey, I didn't mean to cut you off oh, there. No, Sorry. I just wanted to go back and clarify something I had said before. Yeah. Um, I'd said that we don't talk about porn in our everyday lives. I'm not trying to shame Anyone oh, that yeah, talks, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying in our like at work, we're not just yeah, talking about I was right. watching this porn of like yeah. that is not a typical work day. Yeah. So that I was just clarifying what I was saying there. We repackage it, we call it Game <laughs> exactly. of Thrones, and then we're able to exactly. like talk about it. <laughs> HBO, it's not TV, yeah. it's porn. Yeah. There is a yeah, there's a certain stigma I think attached to um you know, uh, hentai as opposed to live action porn, because a lot of live people are like, I yeah, love it. That's, that's the best way I can put it. Like, that's real 100%. human people. Because then there's also other stuff, like there's the furry stuff, and like there's so many different genres that I I feel like I need to specify. Like, yeah, pe- like people, live action. Because, um, you know, uh, one of the funny things, I, I don't know if I told you this before, um, I work in information security, and one of the things I had to do at one point, you're just saying how. We don't talk about porn at work, but hey, <laughs> uh, I had to uh, actually look at porn while I was at work at oh, wow. my job. Uh, it wasn't just that, but uh, I had to make sure that the firewall was catching porn in the filters and stuff like that. So I did have to test and go to different huh. sites and make sure they didn't go through. So that, that was a, a... Well, see, and that's like a... <laughs> and that's why I was like trying to clarify. It's like, no, I'm not no, trying to shame. It's just like, 
the typical work day. Yeah. But I, I do think that people do have that extra sense of shame when it comes to, and I'm going to use this word and people are going to be like, it's not that, but it's, it's a cartoon. And they're like, why can't you just like a real person? Like, yeah. What's wrong with you? There and is a I lot think, of stigma with that, yeah. And I think there is. Um, you know, we had had conversations about, like, the, the waifu culture and and how mm. people do uh, sexualize certain characters and how anime can be inherently sexual, but that doesn't mean that it's all bad. True. Like, there is a line, I feel like. I mean, there's, like, the extremes, you know. Right. Um, and, you know, just throw a... Throw a dart onto a dartboard with anime titles on it. You're probably going to hit one that's sexualized. Yeah. yeah. I started watching Kill La Kill, and it was just Ooh. like, shit. <laughs> I was not ready for what this was. It's I also, haven't finished it, so it's like, oh. It's interesting, too, with um, like Kill La Kill, for example. For me, before... So when I first started getting back into anime as an adult, that was one that I kind of tried watching earlier. And... I was like, oh, shit, like, this is intense for me. There is, is a lot intense, yeah. of booby. <laughs> like, I am not ready for this. No, thank you. And it, and I did take it as, like, and I, I took it in a little bit of a feminist way where I was like, why are they sexualizing this younger girl? Whatever. Um, but now, and I don't know if it's because I've become desensitized to some of the fan service kind of things in anime, or I'm able to see it as more of a satire now, which I think is how it's intended. Um it doesn't bother me as much. So that it is interesting that I have, for me specifically, my experience has been like more accepting of it. That's true. Um, yeah. I don't know. We're not here to throw, this isn't the throw the kill a kill under the bus yeah. episode. Yeah. For, for those that, who the, haven't seen kill a kill, she basically wears yeah. suspenders that cover her, like just her nipples. And then she has like a mini skirt that doesn't really cover anything. And that's, yeah. that's the outfit. That's and it. the thing that got me with that was that she's supposed to be like 14. Right. Yeah. 15. That's always the, so I was like, uh, the age part always really bothers this. me. Cause even though we were in our episode where we were talking about, um, Yairozu, she's supposed to be like right. 14 or 15. Yeah. And you're like, uh, it's like they made her a character very attractive, but at the same time, you're like, that's a literal child. Yeah. Like exactly. Well, and I think something that, and I don't know if it's kind of implied in these more magical girl-esque shows either, but like Sailor Moon, for example, very explicitly in the comic books is like a middle schooler and she's turning into an older, more idealized version of herself. And I don't know that that's explicitly stated in any of the anime, but in the comic series, like it, it is clear that she's turning into an older version of herself. So... Again, this kind of is going on a side tangent, but what drew me to it as a child was that it was a body type and it was imagery that I could relate to as opposed to the Western like comic books at the time. The women felt way more to me as like a seven year old, but way more sexualized because they're all like super jacked and their breasts were enormous. And it was just fields. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Men drawing women. That's a episode of itself. (laughs) So it, it, it was, I think, maybe a harsh reality for me for something that I identified with be- for those reasons and what kind of pulled me in because it wasn't sexual as a kid that when I got to a certain age, it was like, oh, you're maybe viewed a certain way. Like, you're True. kind of in a, some weird freaky shit if you like it. <laughs> <laughs> so. I did mention that. Uh, I meant to mention this earlier. I wasn't sure if I did. Hentai was the number five overall most searched term in the United States in 2018 as well. So there, yeah. yeah so to find demand. That yeah. It's there. <laughs> exactly. Um, I I do find it interesting 
I guess going into reasons, speculating reasons why people are looking for it now more, I would say like porn in general is very fucking cheesy. And so <laughs> I do wonder, I have to wonder, it, it is never like a production value here. Well, okay. It's never appealed to me specifically because it takes you so fully out of the moment in my mind where I'm just like, this is the dumbest shit I've ever this seen. This is in implausible life. as fuck. Yeah. Like no thing. Like, I guess I do want higher production value. In um, I'll quote whatever. super bad. Um, I'm sorry. The Coen brothers don't direct the porn you watch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but so I do wonder if some of the appeal of hentai is that it can be over the top and it can be like cheesy or whatever, but it doesn't have that same feeling of like, those are two people in a room. Like, Saying these things and There's doing yeah. these things. Like, they're completely the implausible. There's a certain yeah. level of intimacy that I think that it brings that porn doesn't have. Because have you ever yeah. tried to look up like actual intimate porn or like porn where people seem like they care about each other? And I know that sounds really weird and cheesy to say when we're talking about porn. But it's never that. It's it's always yeah. this really uh, like a situation like you're a fly on a wall and you're watching two people in this disjointed like they fantasy it's a, something it's a that fantasy, just never but it, it's yeah. it's not cohesive either usually True. i also yeah, you like that, that yeah for me personally there's something about watching real people have intimate moments i think this is not porn but the show outlander um has a lot of sex scenes in it and when i'm watching it they do such a good job of acting it and being so in love with each other and mm -hmm. like romantic that it makes me uncomfortable i feel like i'm intruding on someone's private moment oh yeah it's like voyeurism <laughs> yeah. almost yeah, yeah in a way that makes me like oh my god like they are in love let me I give you all a minute seeing this yeah like enjoy your lives <laughs> I, uh, and so there is something yeah. that you can equal parts like feel more connected like have more intimate situations in hentai but also not have that disconnect of being like, oh god, that's a real ass person. Like yeah. they're looking through a keyhole. Yeah. The uh, something so out of left field that sticks out to me about what you just said was, I randomly watched um, Zach and Mary make a porno. Oh, that it's yeah. on Netflix. Oh, I love seen that it movie. Years. And there's yeah. there's all these sex scenes. They're they're shooting a porn. Yeah. They're shooting a porn. Yeah. Uh, and it gets to the scene where two specific characters are supposed to hook up, and it's like, mm -hmm. um, it's. It, but instead of being like real sensual or anything, it's just like very um, honed in. It's like yeah. a, someone's intimate moment. Yeah. And the cast kind of like they, everyone kind of ridicules them. Like no one wants to see that shit. Yeah. And so it's like one of those things that some of it about porn is like the sensationalism of it. Mm -hmm. I think hentai also offers a different type of creative freedom because you can have someone that has, uh, you know, they. There's the the food and Ari and the the stuff that like they can be a, a bat person. They can suddenly turn into a succubus and attack someone. Right. And, and it's uh, it, it flows really organically because it does have that comic book or cartoon esque feel that it's not. There doesn't have to be that weird CG or you know that sort yeah. of. I don't want to keep using the word cheesy, but that kind of cheesy oh. moment, you know, yeah. whenever you try to make that happen in a, a more realistic aspect. Oh, it's like the way that we talk about live action adaptations just of regular anime. It's yeah, always actually. so hard to pull those off because you lose a lot, a lot of things stylistically mm -hmm. in art direction and art style 
whenever you're adapting that to a different medium. And so in a lot of ways, yeah, you can do a lot more. I think there's the freedom too, like uh, that you can be really into whatever weird shit you want to be into and know that like you're not putting anyone actually at risk. Mm-hmm. Um, like not that anyone's actually at risk in the situation of like a succubus scenario, but it's like, if that's something <laughs> right. that you want to explore in your fantasy, I think anyone should be allowed to do that. Um, but like people aren't really getting like killed and shit in real life or being attacked right. and whatever. And I think it is a safe space to explore those things without shame and without hurting anyone. I don't know. I think uh, I think that's true, and I also noticed, it, you know, whenever you look at any sort of porn, especially, I, I mean, it, it goes for both, uh, especially hentai too. There's a lot of it that doesn't seem like consent is uh, in the equation. Right. A lot of it just happens to be rape hentai, and that's the extremes, right? Right. It, we have, it's kind of like anime itself as a genre. There's something for everyone, because there are, there are other ones that are more of just like the self-contained um, story. And this is so strange to even talk about it, just like doing the research mm-hmm. for it. But there was one that I watched that was um, all about a married couple that was um, having sex because they were trying to have a baby. Right. And that was, it was two episodes and the whole. St- Wait, yeah. and it was just about them like. Yeah, that was the hentai. Oh. And it's like, this is like. like with the intent of conception. Like, yes. It, oh. But so that's one side of the extreme where it's just like the yeah. everyday details. Yeah. The same way that we're talking about how that classical art depicted everyday details of it. And then you have the extremes where we have like mm-hmm. the different genres, which is the perfect segue for that. And those mm-hmm. the next thing I wanted to get into the cultural analysis of these different genres and the extremes of, um, you know, basically the individual. I guess almost fetishist type thing Mm -hmm. that is the quintessential opinion people have about uh, hentai. Right. Um, So the ones that, you know, I'd mentioned to you guys specifically about like Yaoi, Yuri, stuff like that. Um, Some of it is not problematic. A lot of it is actually, in my opinion, very healthy and shows like, hey, these are, this is these are two consenting adults in the you know either heterosexual homosexual whatever um situation they're in and so it's just like oh this is just showing everyday life but like in the the lives of these people which is interesting to me because it's like so crazy how anime can be polarizing like that how Mm -hmm. it can be yeah i say anime but hentai but polarizing like that in the way to where it could go to the extreme so drastically. Um, so I wanted to get your opinions on that. Well, I think when we're talking about Yaoi and Yuri specifically, do, I do want to clarify, do those terms refer specifically to a certain age? In the age, I don't think so. Like, um, I, think it's just I can't like say male, with 100%. Male, female, female. female. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think not in that instance it doesn't. Well, yeah, and so my understanding of it was more just male, male, female, female. Right. Um, But I would say, again, this is looking at anime in a more broad light. Sailor Moon, which I'm sorry that I bring it up without fail every time, but 
it's a show where sexual fluidity is really touched on and integrated into like who the characters are, but without it, it doesn't draw attention. It's not hypersexualized. And it, it really normalized that a lot. So for right. me, seeing like these, there's two women, and in the American version, they were made like cousins or something. Uh, yeah, I was about to say yeah. they censored the crazy. Yeah, of so that. the American version was censored, but um, I think we talked about this earlier, where I would get the um, subbed videos from Suncoast right. in the movies. I remember Suncoast, and so you would see it and it it was obvious too and i had read the comics and so i knew like these people are actually together but it it really normalized that and now i don't think i really thought about it actively as a kid but now as an adult i'm like oh shit like i was just accepting that that was a thing like i didn't feel weird about it i wasn't like oh gross they're it's like doing not whatever until someone yeah. tells you to feel weird about it exactly yeah. like it was just like those are two characters that love each other and that I didn't feel any different than like Sailor Moon and Tuxedo Mask to me. That was like a product of that. We had mentioned that before, the the four kids dub. The reason they did that yeah. is because it was a the kids dub, and they didn't, I guess they were just like, well, we don't want, want kids to know that women love women sometimes, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I just guess. gals being pals, you know. <laughs> oh <laughs> Kissing cousins. What I said earlier yeah. was that Sailor Moon set in Arkansas. Oh, cousins. no. That's <laughs> so disappointing. Um, Okay. One of the ones I wanted to touch on because, uh, you know, the whole Loli Shota thing. Loli mm. Shota is the, the young girl, young boy. Yes, that's mm. the one that's very specific that it's like, and I think I've seen a lot of people try to justify it. So one of the games I like to play is Disgaea, and they have a character that's named Etna, and she's a demon, and she's like however many thousand years old, but she looks like she's got the body of a, like a, I don't know, a 10-year-old girl. Mm-hmm. And there's... Uh, Something about that to me is I don't like it. I I think it definitely blurs a line and makes me feel uncomfortable um, to sexualize children just in general. What is the, I guess, to... (laughs) to What is the the point? Yeah, like she's clearly a 10,000-year-old demon. Sure. What is the point? What is the through line? What is the rationale? They want to find the, a way to make it happen. And that's exactly yeah. it. Right. That's the, you to want. To make it okay. I want the loophole to get yes. that's this the, thing done that I want to see. That's the tentacle. It's the tentacle. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. That's the one I'm like. Mm. That's where, again, like, it might be a little bit chicken and egg kind of a situation where on one hand, I'm like, that is a safe space for someone was interested in that to explore but on the other hand it's like because there are no children actually having to you know yes be violated yes. or um no issues of consent in terms of that um so if someone was attracted to that they could potentially explore that part of their sexuality through hentai but at the same time we shouldn't be encouraging that i think is the bigger the point yeah we yeah. don't want to reinforce that because and this would be, I think, the extreme argument is like, well, what if that makes someone act in real life because right. they've seen it so many times? And that's kind of where my mind goes, too. It's it's like, yes, it's this this is a complete fantasy. Yes, this is a fabricated character or person or scenario. But also, what is drawing you to that? Why, why do you feel like you want to look at something that is clearly designed to look like a child? I So the other... something about the way you said that made me think of this. There are people that like to pretend to be like 
a baby babies. or yeah. something like that. So there is also another level of it of like, if there's a fantasy going on and someone's watching these kind of lolly, like hentais or whatever, are they envisioning themselves as the same age as this character? Like there is a level to the fantasy where yeah. it's like, is it okay to be contained and to be explored since it isn't hurting anyone? Like it doesn't inherently have to be an adult taking advantage of like a, a child. predatory. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's like that, man, there's so much gray area. I know. So there's so much. There's It's the gray area to where it makes me uncomfortable even like. Yeah. Yeah. Just sitting here yeah. like shifting a, around. A lot of it I wonder has to do, or I wonder how much of it has to do with the cultural relativism of seeing these types of relationships in Japan. Like maybe I, I didn't do specific research into this, but like age of consent in Japan and and stuff like that. I don't know what level of that has anything to do with maybe younger relationships are seen as okay in japan and that's just not mm. something that well, intrinsically here to us makes sense I, you know what you you say that and i start to think i started to think like this narrative in my head like japan idolizes a certain age you know like they they really idolize like the formative years but if right. you think about it don't we like yeah. we have this whole thing that's that true. goes on about how we want women to be hairless. We want them to be as young looking as possible. You know, uh, uh, Keanu Reeves just, you know, announced that he has a girlfriend and Alexandria is 10 years younger than him, which makes her like 44 or something like that. And people were complaining that she looks old. The guy's like 55 or 56. And he's still God. 10 years older than her. And he's yeah. still 10 years older than her. And they're like, why isn't he dating some... 18 or 20 year old starlet and if you really think about it and look at it through a social lens you know as i think a lot of places on the planet earth in general um idolize youth and to a point to where it's kind of that expectation because there are times when i had you know looked at porn personally and either you see one of two categories if you're looking at women when it comes in terms of age you see teen and you see milf and those are the yeah. two things you'll see. And it doesn't matter how old they are. If they look young, it's tagged as teen. And if they look older, it's tagged as MILF. It's like they hit the cutoff. Yeah. There's where some they go from one to the other. Uh huh. Well, and even if you reflect that in kind of accepted um, culture, if you look at like CW dramas and shit like that, it's very much like 30-year-old women or whatever, but they're all playing teen characters and we're yeah, seeing them really sexualized. They're in really high school and shit. It's mm -hmm. weird too even yeah. – which this is getting a little bit um, off the track of hentai, but like something like the show Pretty Little Liars, where one of the main characters has an affair with her teacher. Yeah. I, I, you know, when you're younger, you're like, oh my gosh, you like, you think it's like this kind of romantic thing. But as an adult, like I, I am at the age now where I see that and I'm like, fuck. that girl was taking it. Like, why yeah. the fuck was you're he like, talking fuck that to guy. her? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I remember, I think I started watching it earlier in college maybe and was closer to the age of the actual characters and it didn't feel that weird to me it was just like oh wow. yeah like whatever the like per, the ship the shift in perspective yeah mm -hmm. like now well also just thinking about like what if one of my friends was like right. oh yeah i'm dating a 16 year old i would be like what the fuck is yeah, your problem get out of that here that power dynamic that comes into play with like yeah. age and in you know well, and then especially the role of being a teacher yes. to a student yes. but um Again, again, it kind of, the gray area as well with hentai is that in the same way that we talk about, like, it is an escape from, like, these fantastical things that 
would look so um, cheesy or like bad in regular, real acted porn. Um, it's kind of the same thing. If you think of it in reverse, I don't know that those characters that are children or whatever, essentially in hentai, I don't know that if you reverse them to real life, that equates to a real life human child either aesthetically in terms of what people are looking at, mm-hmm. which is a little bit of another weird gray area, I think. I'm starting yeah, to limbs. think of yeah. real life anime characters and I'm getting very frightened. Well, <laughs> exactly. And that's what thinking of what Harold was saying in terms of the live action animes we've seen. It's yeah. like things like you can look at a character and be like, oh my gosh, that character looks so cool. I like, I love anime femboys and like Alucard, like that kind of style. I'm just like, this is amazing. Like <laughs> clamp manga, like the way the guys are all drawn with these extended limbs. Oh, I and they're, they're long looks. fingers. Yeah, I remember yes, those. I love it. I love the look of it. And I would describe those characters as being very attractive or something. If I saw that shit in real life, you I'd be laugh. like, what the fuck? You'd yeah, be like, like, what the fuck is this? No. This looks stupid. Exactly. So that <laughs> translation from what people are looking at animated to what it would be real life it might not be fair to equate like a child in anime or hentai to what a child looks like in real life yeah Um, that's fair and what that experience is like right well the um one of the other things i wanted to mention was the unrealistic expectations that are prevalent in live action porn (laughs) is this (laughs) kind of a uh, is there some sort of duality with it with hentai is it affecting uh, young people or whoever is watching this the same way with it being hentai that porn is affecting that un- ha- unrealistic expectation I have a story Go ahead. so it's really weird so whenever I was 14 <laughs> I like when it starts like that I was dating a guy who said he saw in an anime that if uh, like the girl would rub her breasts and then they would grow bigger so he's like, if I rub your breasts, they're going to grow bigger. Jesus. Oh, my God. Expansion. Yeah. 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 Like expansion. So he would, oh, like anytime I would try to, you know, come over to his house, I was dating this guy. And this is really weird. But he's like, let me rub your breasts. I want them to be bigger. Oh, Jesus. God. Yeah. So that's anecdotally real life. Yes. It did it, affect the. Uh, it, it did. Huh. That's so that wild. That is such to a me. specific. Yeah. Like, very, very specific, <laughs> but very true. That is wild. Because I remember him showing me, he's like, let me show you this part. And then, like, it, you know, it It happened. happened. Like, each day they would get a little bit bigger. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's not how, like, biology works. Works. And this is just a a show. Well, you also see, like, a guy jumping a giant robot and blow shit up. Like, (laughs) but you're not going to see that out out your window. Right. Exactly. But that, I mean, you could tell you said you're 14. Like, we're dumb. Yeah. (laughs) It is interesting. Dumb for dating him. Well, everyone's dumb at 14. (laughs) I remember I like had, and I'm using air quotes here, a boyfriend, I think, as a freshman that was a senior. And my mom straight up was just like, why the fuck would a senior want to date a freshman? And I was just like, you don't know. I'm so mature and cool or whatever. And like, I don't even think, I think we held hands. I don't even think I (laughs) kissed this guy. I broke it off pretty quickly. Come on, Pearl. Give her a break. But, but no, as as a, like, I think the same thing now. And I think that if I had a daughter and saw the same thing, I'd be like, what? Use your logic here. Logic out backwards. Why he would be interested in you. Like tuxedo mask. He's, yeah, that's he's, like that is something as an adult that is hard. I'm for me sorry, to watch, like, I'm like I love Sailor Moon also, but she she's like a college student and she's like 14 at the start. Yeah, yeah. no, no tuxedo. Mask. It's kind of it's yeah. similar to what you had mentioned earlier, Emily, about um, how you're changing 
age change your perspective on that exactly so yeah. that's, that was interesting that those two stories you told separately kind of were yeah, from the same the thing same of your, your perspective shifting same shit yeah um i do wonder less and i don't think i really i don't have like a direct experience to speak of but i in terms of kind of what i've seen with maybe some of my single male friends is that the expectation, it's less of the physical expectation maybe that comes with live action porn, but more of the personality expectation. Oh. And I think that that's true of both yes. anime and hentai. I'm wincing. Yeah, in terms of either <laughs> the subservient character, this very quiet, or just any of the tropes you would find with the female anime characters that like you can find a real life girl that's going to be this fucking cartoon stereotype. Yeah. The, the archetypes like the Sundere or something like that. Exactly. Like they think that they're in, I dated a lot of freaking nerds, man. Like, <laughs> and I'm, I'm one myself, but you know, I'm starting to think of like my teenage years and, and what you're saying and how true it is and like how they would cast themselves and how they would cast other people into those tropes. Absolutely. And I'm like, oh, and it, it was, it's so obnoxious. And I remember, you know, growing up and uh you know them wanting to recreate certain things like that like even if it wasn't a hentai or something um yeah. whether it was like you you got to wear this certain outfit because like i saw it in this in and yeah, yeah yeah and it's and that you know i was 14 15 at the time and i don't know if you can imagine you know someone making those type of demands it's like this isn't even real yeah like, how right. can you tell me to do something that's that's not real. It's so I do think it's there. Well, it's that unrealistic expectation. They've seen yeah. this. Yeah. This is not, I, it's almost like they can't separate what's fact and what's fiction. Right. Some um, of them, not, of well, course not. Yeah, yeah. some yeah. of them. Sorry. Um, well, we'd, we'd kind of touched on this earlier. Stacey, I think you'd mentioned it. Um, rape is prevalent in hentai. Very prevalent. Um, what is this doing to the perception of rape? And what effect is that having on viewers? I guess it's subjective to the age viewership, maybe the impact at a, at the younger age, maybe at a more impressionable time. It's, I don't want to be too generalized. Yeah, too yeah. generalized. I'm not an expert on this, so I'm throwing that out now. I'm speculating as to what, at what it, um, age is that more impactful and would that kind of reinforce these negative views as something that was like, you know, reinforcing their unrealistic unrealistic expectations well i mean from the most like basic perspective what we were just talking about is the view that maybe coming on to a woman if she's saying no she's actually saying yes no that's not the case unless you have had a conversation outside of the situation and it has been agreed upon that like you have like a safe word and like you're mm -hmm. saying no now because like right. you are in like a safe space and a consensual space. Um, I don't know. I think I have more thoughts on this. I, the thoughts I have on that are probably the thoughts I have on and rape fantasy. This is maybe reductive of people that have actually experienced it or experiences that are more similar to that. But a lot of like, vampire like books romances and stuff like that in pop culture there's normally that element of control with it that I think is very damaging for younger women to think that that's even I guess even that level of it that's not even 
maybe toes the line of what is rape or what's consensual and what's not is not great for young women to see as like the standard that said I think someone that's older and knows that maybe they have fantasies that lean that way or fantasies dealing with control that's totally different compared right. to if yeah. you don't know any better and you're building those well if you're building it for the first time yeah. and yeah. this is reinforced as this is the heteronormative right this is what you do if it's foundational then that's then foundational it's definitely that, that isn't correct yeah i think uh hentai in terms of a media is um how do i want to put this I, it, it does definitely contribute to rape culture as a whole because if you just think of it like if you kind of take a step back and you look at something and you see how women are sexualized in the way that they are and how I'm not going to say all of it is that way to where it is rape but a good majority of it like if I would ever try to look up something the first 90 results would probably be some type of rape scene or some you know high-pitched woman going no no please senpai no and then like he does it anyway the blushing, I always think of like the blushing cheeks too, yeah. where it's always like, I don't know, there's a very specific animation or yes. like illustration like style. Look, yeah. Like they're, yeah. they're very, um, they're very flustered and very yeah. embarrassed. And there's always that, you know, overtly submissive uh, character. And, uh, and you were talking about power and, you know, rape is all about power and control. So if you get that into someone's head and they idealize that, and they don't have that uh, sort of consensual relationship to where it's set upon with boundaries or you want to do a role play, um, you know, then it's, it's, it's just rape at that point. And that's not something, you know, anyone should ever do. <laughs> I, I think as well, again, with hentai, it, I, to a certain extent, you are seeking it out and looking for it specifically. But I would say for me, what feels more problematic is when some of those tropes and like especially the rape scenes that are so prevalent, they kind of have filtered a little bit into regular anime and some of the fan servicey stuff. Those are the times for me where I feel most uncomfortable if I'm watching an anime. And I can... I normally can like kind of give it a pass if it's um, satirical. So like Konosuba is right. an anime we talked about recently uh -huh. and it deals with sexuality a lot. And it actually is kind of funny. It's like, it's an isekai and their party member that's basically their like tank that's meant to get um, beat up and shield the rest of the party is way into it. Like she wants to be hurt and that's like her whole kink. Um, and it's kind of funny because it's, it's making fun of both like the stereotype of females like that in those shows, but also the fact that like, yeah, who wants to be a tank for their team that's going to take all of the abuse the whole time? Right. So <laughs> it's funny in a context Flipping like it that. Exactly. Yeah. But there are other ones and I think more commonly where it's just presented as this like ha ha fan servicey kind of thing. And that feels a lot more dangerous to me because then you're making a joke of the character being in a position that they have no control over and that they're being like shamed or embarrassed or sexualized in a way that they're not they the character it's themselves wouldn't want to be right and then that's the accepted standard yeah this is something like, you need to be used to common. because this is just your role yeah. in society and in this show is that that's what you know yeah. you have their will imposed upon you exactly yep yep <laughs> i'm just like <laughs> seething uh, 
because yeah. I'm thinking of like all these different circumstances where they apply to real life too, and I'm like, right. mm. well, I mean, it's the duality yeah. of it, right? Yeah. Um. Okay, so we've, man, we've kind of talked about this before. I hate. I, I hope I'm not like repeating myself or like going over stuff we've yeah. already talked about, but. Uh, what impact does this form of media have on the psyche in general of those who view it? Is there a difference between, say, Japanese or Amer- American audiences in regards to the effect on sexuality or their attitudes towards sex? Um, with So I think it is interesting in my mind with Japanese culture. Um, again, looking at this weird rise of people not getting married, not having sexual relationships, that herbivore man, that... The reasons, so people are trying to figure out why that's happening and what specifically is happening that um, is causing it. And one of the causes that I've read about is that um, men are maybe not feeling masculine. So when their economy burst and the salary man role was proved to be very fragile, that was kind of what masculinity looked like. So when that disappeared, it's both men don't feel masculine, but also that women maybe don't see them as masculine, plus women are in the workplace more. So I do wonder if seeing some of these things in hentai or whatever enforces maybe these really extreme ideals of masculinity, and that that's part of the appeal of it that's missing in the sexual dynamic there. I don't know. I mean, it's very, I, mean, would, I think it's important to reinforce we're not experts on this. Yes, this yeah. is we just speculation. We are having a discussion, and, and, and we're speculating yeah. kind of on things we've read, things that we've seen. And I've got um, my uh, my good old anecdotes. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah. yeah, it's just like personal experience, or we're interpreting yeah. data that we've seen. We're not saying this is 100% conclusive. Um, yeah. I just feel yeah, like... So that, yeah, to say it, that again. Exactly. Yeah. So to clarify, I do wonder about that. I wonder if there is a correlation and a connection. It's interesting to me as well that they're going through this crisis of sexuality when censorship is a part of their culture and uh, these kind of extreme examples of masculinity are a part of their sexual culture in terms of hentai. I was I was thinking of it uh, since you covered the the Japanese side so well. You know, you have um, hentai here being consumed in America, and uh, I can't help but separate myself from the idea of like those boys that I dated in high school. Like the you know they were all gamers. They were all really into anime and really into hentai. And there's always been something different about that type of person as opposed to someone that's like into just regular porn and I don't I don't I can't quite put my finger on it but they they do have a different air about them so I think that you know you ask in terms of psyche there's something there I don't know what it is well so I would say I feel like I feel this just in general this is probably way over generalizing but I think the fact that we can both speak to our personal experiences with this the guys that I hang out with that have typically been what you would consider more like traditional like nerds or gamers or whatever are also guys that feel very that are kind of disenfranchised in a way by our society right now where they aren't fitting in with like the hyper masculine like chad but they're also not like uh, i see kind of we they're like trying they're like weirdly trying to find this way to be like dominant i don't know society is working against them because they're not the kind of alpha male not that the, is still benefiting from quote the, unquote yeah, ideal 
Exactly. Yes. They're not benefiting from the patriarchy. But they're not like they feel like they should be, I guess. They're still like the patriarchy hasn't been dismantled. So they're still growing up with the ideals of these certain things should be given to them or are inherent to them. The entitlement. But it's entitlement. The entitlement. Yes. Exactly. So there is that like feeling of entitlement, but they're like we're making enough of a shift against patriarchy that they're not directly benefiting from it anymore. Yes. And so I feel like certain things in hentai are really reinforcing those feelings of entitlement and maybe that's yeah in a negative way yeah in a negative yeah. way again not to make the generalization but i yeah. do feel like based on my own experiences because i do know people that enjoy it that aren't like that but there have been many that are probably more that are that were not that i've exactly known. but go ahead i'm sorry oh no i was just gonna say it was like the um sorry let me interrupt you again i'm just kidding go ahead <laughs> Well, I feel like me and you have talked about it ad nauseum, Stacey. It's like that. It, it reinforces this negative stereotype of the transactional. You know what I yes. mean? Yes. Mm. I've I've put it. I've put all these uh, coins into this. I've got my nice guy punch card. Yeah. And you yeah. owe me a free sex. I, I've got ten yeah. here, yeah. so I'm gonna <laughs> cash that in because now I'm entitled and owed something because I've taken my time and invested it in you. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, and I think. Again, part of it, kind of what you were saying was interesting to me in terms of um, these men assigning, like, the people around them, the roles in the anime or the hentai that they the, were watching. They create their own anime. Yeah, so they, it is also, they're kind of living, it, it creates an opportunity to live in a fantasy that doesn't exist. And when you try to translate that to real life, it's like, no, that's not how the role actually is. So, so I don't know. It, it's hard because on... In one way, I feel bad. So, like, if you're not a confident person in real life, but you're fantasy and you see yourself identifying with this really confident character, and that's, like, the only outlet for you to feel confident is to kind of follow exactly what they're doing. I don't know. There's just some problematic, like, translation of what you feel inside, what you're able to project as yourself, and then how you're kind of reconciling the two. Mm -hmm. I don't know. No, it it, it makes weird. complete sense yeah. to me because I know people like this, so it's it's yeah. interesting to to try and dismantle it and you know put it back together. Well, and it it sucks too because you can see from such a like cultural standpoint, kind of where they're coming from or how they came to be that way. Mm -hmm. But it's also like that's not a free pass to behave. No, in certain no, ways. not at all. Yeah, man, it's just <sighs> we keep talking about the gray area too, and it's just because yeah. it's been so reinforced in that negative way that that perception becomes the reality. I mean, we hear that all the time. And so because that negative stereotype has been reinforced and reinforced and reinforced, they to to them that's reality. Right? You know, you, we keep we keep talking about like gray areas. I think hentai is a gray area. I think it literally <laughs> I think it is, is the exactly. quintessential hentai, uh, gray area. It translates to gray area. Yeah. <laughs> It's literally what it means uh, because I, I feel like, you know, we, we keep harping on the fact that it, it doesn't hurt anyone and that's what makes it more acceptable because it's, it's a fantasy and you can just, you can look at it and you can have fun and at the end of the day, it never really happened. Exactly. You know, you can feel your shame or whatever you decide to attach to it. Well, uh, and I wonder if that's why there's such a rise in it when you're looking at these statistics that it's like a more popular search term than lesbian, for example, that it there's something so temporary and almost like ephemeral about it that it's like, 
it didn't happen. Yeah, yeah it, it is it very just, much it like literally it just didn't, didn't happen. happen. And so there's this almost like a non-committal yeah. feeling of participating in it by being a viewer. Mm-hmm. That's it. We've cracked the case. Yeah. Good job, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I guess I, we haven't, I don't want us to run like especially long, but we haven't, there's still parts of it in terms of how much it's a part of anime culture like even now I feel like I have to campaign to my friends that are not into anime why it's so awesome and why it's so great and why it's not these stereotypes um because it is for some reason what everyone seems to associate with it is this overly sexualized like fan servicey feel and I even remember I, I keep thinking now of the first time I ever went to Acon in Dallas which and is I was big just about convention. to bring up conventions yeah so <laughs> I was you, literally just thinking to bring that up well and you go in there I think okay I think this ties together a couple of the problematic things we're talking about but you walk into like the vendor floor and the first thing I think I walked up to was like a fan art and it was Levi from Attack on Titan. But he was like in like a maid. He was in like this traditionally like I've it was like a pillow those. cover. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like kind of got that like blushing expression and like this little maid thing over his uniform. But uh -huh. it was like a body pillow or whatever that you could buy of him. And that to me, I was like, this is amazing and hilarious. And like <laughs> I couldn't bring you know, my business partner, Tiffany, my best friend, she's not into anime. If I brought her directly into that, she'd be like, what been like, the what? Yeah. <laughs> and so like, but for me, <laughs> as someone that's into it, it's like, oh, that's hilarious. And right, again, right. that kind of satirical and subverting expectation. But then I think there was, I can't remember if it was the same year or second year, there was a different way that you could come in. And it was this giant poster for Bender. And it was these two female characters like hugging each other. And it was kind of like a top down looking view looking down at their faces and their chest and their boobs were so smushed together that it looked like there was like 10 boobs kind of in <laughs> in the thing and I remember taking a picture because I was like what the ripple fuck? This effect is. yeah and it, it was oh like so intense Jesus. but it's like that's literally the first can you imagine being like a guest at this hotel and you're like being oh, green gonna, like, even check out yeah. this like convention and see what's like going on down here and that's what you walk into is like just or your titty on titty. I think that like someone drew exploding. that too. That's the part that kills me. It's someone yeah. drew that. I was thinking of someone coming out of a fallout shelter and then they like happen to open yeah. up the ground and they're like, they just close like, the lid really quick. Like, they no. just see and they're like, fuck that, going back in. Yeah, no. So oh, it is weird. And what we're talking about in terms of it giving permission to people to act a certain way, that's something that actually really bothers me about anime fandom is that you have a lot of people that are nerdy and again using air quotes with that because I would consider myself to be nerdy but they're also people that are very socially awkward and so when you go to like a convention you see these people with like-minded people getting to celebrate content that they're really into and so they kind of are acting like unadulterated and wild and they'll they just act in a way though that it's like you would never act like that no. in a public space or in the real world and it's mimicking these things that work well for comedic effect in a cartoon that it's like you can't be running around and shrieking and acting like a nightmare yeah yeah that's <laughs> yeah. yeah no that hits really close to home i used to be uh like a little bit more hyperactive when i was younger and i was the squeeglomp kind of person yeah and then seeing full-grown adults do it, because I, I grew out of that. Exactly. I'd like to say that I exactly. proudly grew out of that. And uh, seeing literal adults 
do that and like yell and scream and and you know run amok and and I've even seen really really gross things. Of course, I've reported them at anime conventions where people were trying to take like upskirt shots and they're like, "Oh, oh this is funny because I saw it on Colorful or something." Yeah. And no, it's not funny. Fucking it's damn. not cute. Like that's literally sexual harassment. Yeah. And that's yeah. You can get arrested for that. Did you Don't send me that. that thing that was like? Um, if you're thinking about doing something with someone, think if you would do that to Dwayne the Rock Johnson. No, Ooh, I like someone that, sent though. me that, and I, I like was that like, too. "Quotes to Would you try by. to rub up against him inappropriately? No. Would you try to Maybe take I picture? Would, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, he might be into it. Who knows? Yeah. That's true. Yeah, hey, but qualifying yeah. it. Who's yes. to yeah. say? Who's to say? Indeed. <laughs> but yeah, it was like a it was like an illustration of like you wouldn't do that shit to this huge hulking guy. Why would you do it? To, yeah, exactly. And um, which is still, I mean, it's a thing at cons, man. It is. I would. I don't. It, the bravest people at cons are cosplayers. Are cosplayers. I was gonna yeah. say I've like, cosplayed in. Because it's like having man. people come up and touch you or like feel entitled to. That's fucking it's, bananas to me. Like, it was, why? It's, it's been better. Like at Azumi Con when I went there, it was horrible. Like it, you mm. know, anytime I try to go and cosplay at a place like that, New World Comic Con. Uh, everyone asked if they could take a picture, and which I, you know, that's what you want to do. Like, you Hell wanna, yeah. yeah, like that's <laughs> nice. And you know, kids would ask if they could hug me. I'm like, sure. Um, I'm trying to think of the other one that I went to, because there's there's been some that I've gone to to where people, um, nope, yeah. <laughs> don't like it. There's Shit. even you saying that reminded me. I think i can't remember how many years back this was but there was a year that i went to acon again in dallas and half the panels it was almost like a track if you were going to look at like sessions you wanted to attend and it was like almost like a track on like appropriate behaviors for consent and like sexuality mm-hmm. it, it, and the fact that it was like literally like that was a massive topic and thread of you know Something that needed to be presented, like, what the fuck? You shouldn't have to have a full fucking thread on, like, appropriate behavior with other human beings. Like, do you want to be violated? No, probably someone else doesn't want to be either. So I I guess that would be, again, like, this real-life example of how... How normalized. Yeah, how how certain sexual things in anime and in hentai are normalized. Yeah, yeah. I would agree with that because yeah. you, if you have to, if you have to go that far and say that much about it and just hammer it that many times, like that horse is dead. It's been beat. It's you know, yeah. At that point, uh, yeah. At that point, it's like, well, it's it's clearly a fucking problem if you're having to like have these frank discussions with adults who should know better. Yes. Yeah, I've only been to a couple cons, but there's been literature at each one where it's like. <laughs> I mean, it's fucking A. We had to make, like, flyers to tell people to not be fuck-asses? Like, (laughs) come on, dude. That and the flyers about Akon, I know, for a fact, always has, like, a big disclaimer of, like... Cosplay is not consent. Oh, no, no. uh, You need to wear deodorant. I was literally about to say that. a lot of hygiene literature with it. Yeah, that's true. And and it's, like, that's... Again, this is kind of looping in, I guess, all of the negative aspects of being a fan of anime that, like, why are these things so pervasive in the culture? And I don't know. Why is it those people that gravitate towards this medium? And I don't know. Yeah, that's, you know, the last convention I went to, they were selling, like, uh, deodorant, like a stick. It was almost like mm-hmm. chapstick. You put it under your nose so you can't smell anybody else. Ugh. Like, that's what it's come to. I just That's dumb as hell. 
how do you forget your own personal hygiene? Like, if I made it. I know, it, I'm like, I'm like yeah, myself. I'm good. Well, no, that's why if I <laughs> made it, sure. like, a Is my right guard going left? Like, I would know <laughs> if I had forgotten and do everything in my power to make it home to, like. I keep deodorant I, yeah. in my bag. Carry it with me. Yeah. 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 I, am, I keep that thing on me. I yeah. do, too. And I have no shame. Because people, it's funny because, like. I've gotten shamed for it before, and I'm like, dude, do you want me to smell like B.O., or do you want me to yeah, smell like, like deodorant? Water, yeah, these are the options Why here. are you shaming me, pal? It's interesting, too. Uh, this was a video I watched a while back. This is very side tangent, but okay. um, when I was uh, looking at teaching in Korea, I um, was looking at teaching English in Korea, and one of the, like, culture videos I watched was about that, like, deodorant isn't really so much of a thing there, because it was, like, things that you will need to pack as a foreigner that are hard to come by. And deodorant was one of those things. And I'm like, is that something that, like, culturally in terms of, like, Korea booze and weeaboos that are, like, <laughs> po- like oh, shit. pulling from that culture, they're, like, they're that I don't ingrained know. Is in that culture. it that they're not, like, wearing deodorant? I just, Holy shit. I don't get it. Nah, but I don't think that's Sidebar, it. though, <laughs> I believe my understanding is that, like, Asians do sweat oh. differently than, like, you rarely see, oh. like, a sweaty Asian. And it's, like, they don't I think I know that. Because we were talking about, like, uh, masculinity and cultural norms mm-hmm. and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And I was just thinking, it dawned on me. A lot of uh, men that are toxically masculine believe that hygiene is inherently homosexual or feminine. Oh, God. And if you think about it, and we're making these connections back to, like, masculinity and stuff like that, I think that that might have a lot to do with it. Wow. Because a lot of them do kind of follow, you said they're disenfranchised, mm-hmm. you know. And they probably want to view themselves as more masculine, so they drop those more feminine qualities or well, what they believe Well, and even, to be. like, I'm not going to use axe or whatever because <laughs> it's what a Chad would use or say. It's like, bruh, <laughs> you using axe is the least of your problems if you're not wearing deodorant. Like, go for it. <laughs> That's, man, I've never thought of that. that it's just, like, I literally dinged. It was you like, ah yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. I don't know about any of that, man. All I know is I don't like the way it smells. So I'm going to go yeah, ahead and why? throw some. I would assume no one else would Throw some deodoration on the pits. Yeah, yeah I don't. But I the don't. cultural cultural relativism of it, it comes up so much. Yeah. It's something that we experience here. And when you don't, it's not the experience somewhere else. You, it's almost like, I don't know, it just doesn't compute because it's not yeah. your reality almost. Yeah. It's bonkers. It's bananas. <laughs> yeah. It's bananas. Ugh. Man, this has been this actually one of the favorite episodes I think Mr. I've Bones. ever done. Mr. Bones Wild Ride. Yeah. Um, did you guys have any like closing closing thoughts or anything? Uh, um, smash the patriarchy. No, we haven't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. I feel like that was kind of, yeah, it got a little intense where I was just like, these motherfuckers are disenfranchised <laughs> and like, they're just victims of the patriarchy that like, needs <laughs> to try. like, yeah, I felt like I was getting a little deep into it at that part and was kind of like babbling because it was just like, keep 8chan oh, shut down. Yeah. Uh, that was, yeah. We just got out, we just got the hell out of the way and let you do your thing. Yeah. 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 No, it, was, it, uh, it all made sense, and it all went went very well. That last yeah. thing I said didn't, because I can't talk. <laughs> well, we'll it, it was great right yeah. up until then. Great talking. job, Stacey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, why don't you tell people where they can keep up with your projects, follow you on social oh, media, stuff like that. Stacey, I do, I, I hate to single you out, but. Oh, yeah. What? Um, Which part? I do uh, <laughs> want to talk about, or I was hoping you'd mention some of your work with, like, YWCA and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Um, 
So I had recently done some of the uh, crisis trauma training classes for the YWCA. Uh, I did Oklahoma Artcade in which we raised money for the YWCA. Uh, I like to work with victims of domestic violence and sexual assault. It's kind of what I do in my free time. Try to help give them referrals. I don't get paid for anything. It's strictly volunteer. I like to help people. Um, and uh, as, as mentioned, I uh, am the owner, operator, facilitator of Oklahoma Arcade. It's a video game art show for charity. So uh, I'm also on Twitter, at my raccoon hands. It's all over the place. <laughs> it is. There's, there's <laughs> never a topic that I just stay on. I, if, you, if you like, like, constant... What would you even call mine? Stream of consciousness. Stream of consciousness, yeah. It's, uh, it's like the rainbow road in shit my head. like uh, <laughs> rentai your hentai. Yeah. I literally died. I was so pissed I didn't think of that. I was like, ugh. Oh, that's but me, though. That was hilarious. Um, You can find me on social media at the underscore Emily Smart. Um, but soon to be. Just one name, Emily Strickler on Instagram, which is very exciting for me. Um, Yeah, that's where you can find me. And Toast Oklahoma's doing their thing. Oh, yeah, that's true. You can follow my design work at Toast Oklahoma on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, wherever you like to follow that kind of stuff. Fucking A. Well, as always, guys, you can follow us on social media. That's Tunes Tunes Podcast, T-U-N-E-S slash T-O-O-N-S. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your podcasts. Bye-bye. Bye. Tunes, tunes to the moon.